The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to you all here. As we uh, dig out from 22, 24, some places 27 inches of snow in the upstate New York, Cooperstown area. Yeah, um, I didn't think we got that much. I thought it was something like a foot. You know, I was looking out my window and thinking, okay, that looks like a, a foot or so until I went outside. And when I went outside, the snow was actually basically up to my hips. Um, maybe a little less than that, but uh, thighs for sure. And uh, so there was a good two feet of snow here in upstate New York. And, uh, you know, it's pretty for Christmas, that's for sure, if it sticks around. I mean, they're t- <laughs> I think we're looking at something like, you know, a 45, 50-degree weather in, in the next week or so. So I don't know if it'll stay around until Christmas, but imagine some of it will. But, you know, once it starts to melt, it gets kind of messy. And once it starts to melt, it, you know, just makes mud and dirt and everything looks kind of gross at that point. Uh, so we'll see. It, it, maybe it'll be a white Christmas. Uh, maybe it'll be a, a, a muddy Christmas. Who knows? But it'll be Christmas. And despite everything that's going on, I hope everyone gets an opportunity to enjoy the holiday season. It's obviously very, very different. It's very different this year. Uh, in fact, it doesn't really even feel like it's Christmas or the holiday season at all. Uh, which is a, which is a shame because it's the lead up to Christmas that makes it so special, and there really hasn't been that kind of lead up this year. Next year we're going to have to double down on all that stuff. We'll have to watch a Christmas story and it's a Wonderful Life and uh, Christmas Vacation, all these great Christmas and holiday movies. We we'll have to watch them three or four times each, just to make up for the fact that we didn't have uh, the lead up this year. So. Um, We've got a great show for you tonight. We're going to talk about some paranormal case files. Rob Gutrow will be with us. He is an author, medium, and a paranormal investigator. He's been on the show a couple times. And we're going to be talking about uh, some of the case files of Inspired Ghost Tracking. It's a group. And uh, how he befriended a spirit after continually getting messages over the course of 15 years. And he wrote a book called Kindred Spirits about this particular experience. So we're going to have a great time talking to Rob about about uh, his experiences in the paranormal community. Um, and again, we've had him on the show. He's written books about um, about the spirits of pets and stuff uh, related to animals, which we've enjoyed quite a bit. So looking forward to having, having him on again. All right, so i got to ask. My left palm here has been itching me all day. Now, I remember my mother used to say, itchy palm means you're going to find money or something. Is that something that uh, a, a saying that other people have heard? And has anybody ever been able to verify its validity? Because I really hope that's what it means. It's either that or I've, I've, I've touched something that's uh, that's irritating my skin. I don't know which of the two. <laughs> but speaking of a Christmas carol, as I see a bunch of folks mentioning it in the chat room, uh, one of my favorites... Uh, and I haven't watched it in many years, is the Mr. Magoo Christmas Carol. Does anyone else like the Mr. Magoo Christmas Carol? I think it's, I, I don't know. I haven't seen it in years. I probably don't like, I don't like it. I probably, probably wouldn't be the same for me now. Um, maybe that's why my, that's maybe that's why my uh, palm itch, itches, uh, Gene. Maybe it was for you. Now, there's no poison oak in, in upstate New York this time of year. Anyway, so we're kind of getting off topic here. Um, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please do that. Go to YouTube. Search for J.V. Johnson when you find it. Please subscribe to the channel. Become one of our YouTube family members. Also, the Twitch channel, 
Great place to enjoy our weekend programming, especially. We do uh, stream the program there during the week as well, but it, we really uh, we don't stream our weekend stuff on our YouTube channel. We do that on Twitch because it gets it's a little different than than the weekday stuff. So please go to Twitch, look for JV Johnson, subscribe to that channel, follow it as well. Please share all of this with uh, your social media friends and whomever you think might be interested in the topics that we discuss here. And we do discuss a lot of them. In fact, I was just uh, communicating with an author who wrote, and actually a reporter, I think, is the better uh, description of of her profession. But she wrote an article about uh, dogs seeing ghosts. And uh, I think we're going to have her on the program to talk about it. I think that'll be an interesting one, too. I I know a lot of people... yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Our guest is in the chat room, says his Italian mom used to say itchy palms mean money is coming to you. That's what my Italian mom said, too. My mother being born in Italy, um, definitely an Italian mom. And that's what she used to tell me. And I've been itching my palm all day, getting worse as, as uh, showtime approached. So I'm expecting, you know, I don't know, cash to fall from the sky. I don't know how this works, but uh, yeah, mom can't be wrong. There's no way. Anyway, so we're going to have, uh, I can't remember the author's name um, right now, but uh, we've been communicating, Eddie's been talking to her about uh, being on to talk about this phenomenon. I know that that anecdotally people talk about the fact that their pets seem to notice things that we don't notice, and we all know that's true, but do they notice the spirit world? Do they see ghosts? Why is your dog looking up into the corner of the room uh, as though they see something? And you don't see anything. What's happening there? So that'll be an interesting topic when we... <laughs> thanks, Rob. <laughs> Rob's going to mail me a dollar. Uh, that'll be an interesting topic when we get a chance to have her on the program. So, okay, so we have a lot to talk about with our guest, Rob Guttrow, tonight. Looking forward to this conversation. Again, we'll be talking about some of his case files. Um, he's written a book called Kindred Spirits, and this is going to be a great conversation. So looking forward to doing this. Let me see here. I didn't update our... our um, Bumper music here, but so, so this should work. Okay, we'll be right back. It's Beyond Reality. Don't go away. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rob Guttrow's been here with us a couple of times before, and Rob considers himself to be an average guy who just happens to be able to communicate with people who have passed. He's a medium on the Inspired Ghost tracking team of Hanover, Maryland, and by trade, he's a meteorologist, so he tries to explain ghosts and spirits by using science. He's had the ability since he was a teenager, and it's gotten more acute over time. And his first experience as a teenager was when his grandfather appeared to him. Rob, welcome back to the program. It's such an honor to have you back. I love having you here, and this is a great time of year to do it as we head towards Christmas. Thank you, JV. Uh, it's great to be back. Uh, this is a perfect time with uh, to talk about spirits as we're getting the spirit of the holidays. It really is. And I, But before we do any of that, i got to go back to this Italian mother thing. Because, <laughs> you know, I didn't know that you had an Italian mother like I had an Italian mother. And did is this one of those things, I mean, 
as you probably know, when you grow up in that environment, you know, you hear things, you say things, and you think the whole world hears the same things. And then you realize, no, that's just an Italian mom kind of thing. Um, there's a lot of stuff like that I found over the course of the last, or my adulthood anyway, that I just assumed everybody heard these sayings, did these things, but it's really an Italian mom thing. That's true. Yeah, I've had the same assumptions, too, and I found out that it's only limited to Italian families. And it, but it's but it's a special. I, I mean, I, if you haven't grown up in Italian family, you, you don't know maybe what we're talking about specifically here. But it certainly is a special environment to grow up in. A lot of a lot of loud people, a lot of food, a lot of bickering. But it's all done in love. That this is true. Yeah, and uh, you know, I my my mom used to spend two weeks baking before Christmas yeah. time. Yeah, I could never do that though. Yeah, no, my mother, um, you know, she passed a couple of years ago, and she uh, she lived for uh, cooking for everyone for, for for all the time, but specifically around the holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas were her times of year where she shined and um, loved to have friends, family. Everyone was always welcome around the table, and boy, we miss that. It, things change when we lose those folks in our lives for sure, and that's an understatement, of course, but. Someone like you, Rob, who has the ability to communicate with those on the other side, you might have a different different angle on all of that. Uh, how do you see the passing of loved ones like that? I really just look at it as uh, someone moving to another state, you know, another state in the U.S. Um, uh, because they're they're still communicating with me and. Uh, for some reason, my mother is really strong on the other side. As really? she was, she was actually pretty loud, you know, in in life. <laughs> <laughs> my husband seems to channel her a lot and say you, things she used to say without hu- even your knowing. Your husband channels your mom. You, yeah, you know, they always say you marry your mother, right? Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. That's funny. That's fun. did your did your husband know your mom? Um, he knew her for um, he knew her for about eight years. Before okay, she so so he knew her a little yeah. bit. So okay, and so she must have approved then, or she wouldn't be channeling through him. She did, yeah. <laughs> she uh, yeah she she hated my brother's wives, mm-hmm. but uh, she said uh, she said my best in law is my my son in law. <laughs> oh well, well that's that's neat. Um, so but but for someone who doesn't, and I'll, I'll put myself into this particular category, someone who doesn't recognize maybe the the communications that are coming from particularly loved ones on the other side. What should I be looking for? What should I be opening my mind, my eyes, my ears to, to maybe catch some of those communications? Well, that's a good question. There's actually quite a lot of things. Um, and usually they're relative to things that your your mom would say or do or uh, names associated uh, with her. Uh, coins are a really popular way that uh, spirit communicates, and um, I know you mentioned my my book, Kindred Spirits, about that spirit I befriended. Mm-hmm. He loved tossing coins, and and he always you always have to look at the year because the year will is indicative of of the spirit that's trying to give you a message. Okay, so explain that to me. So if I if I see a penny or something and it has, I don't know. My mother was born in 1945. Uh, you mm-hmm. don't you don't see too many 1945 pennies, but it, would there be some yeah. other significance? Maybe my birth year, or maybe the year she passed away, something like that. Sure, either of those years would be significant to to give you a clue. And the other thing too is that if you find a coin, and it depends on who you're thinking about, mm-hmm. that's also uh, indicative. Because sometimes it, it takes a lot of energy anyway to transport these these coins to apport them, if you will. But um, 
so sometimes they can't get the year close enough. They ha- they can only use what coin is close enough uh, to you physically. You know, it seems to be a lot easier if you just say, "Hey, Jimmy, wake up," um, because you know that's what she used to call me, and <laughs> then I'd have no uh, illusions as to what I was being told. <laughs> well, you know, you may you may hear that you may hear that from another room, or you may you may dream that. Well, yeah, and that's her coming through. Yeah, sure. you know, I've I've got to give you a bit of a story here, and I don't remember the exact details. But um, my father died before my mom by a couple of years. They both died way too young. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, shortly after my father had passed away, my sister, who was far more eager to get some kind of communication from my dad at the time, and now my mom, um, and not that I'm not eager, but I, I I cherish them in my own way. They're in my heart, and I know they're there. And you know, I don't I, I'm I'm okay not waking up and seeing my mom stand next to the bed. Um, yeah. My sister's looking for something more than that. And she, she called me one morning and she said, you have to turn on, I don't know what channel it was, some, some channel. She said, I was having a dream. And in the dream, it said, turn on channel 14, whatever it is. And she said, mm-hmm. she went downstairs, turned channel 14 on, and it was uh, um, some musical artist playing a song that my father loved. Hmm. And she said, that's definitely dad talking to me. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not, I mean, who am I to say it was or wasn't, but I was impressed by that. Sure. Yeah. So spirits, um, one of the easiest ways spirits can come to you is in your dreams, um, because our logical mind is asleep. And that, the logical mind is the thing that, it, that explains things the way it tries to explain things uh, and, and deny signs, if you will. So... So spirits can wake us from a dream and direct us to do something that will let us know that they are there. So, yeah, that's absolutely uh, believable. Well, she was very, very comforted by that. It was kind of an important point for her to start to reconcile the grief and and the loss. So, um, you know, and again, like I said, I was impressed by it, uh, but I didn't judge whether it was or wasn't. But I just felt great that it made her feel so much better. Mm hmm. Yeah, my parents have both come through with uh, musical messages for me. Is that that's a, that seems to be a story we hear uh, rather often? Um, you know, someone will say, "Yeah, I, I got in the car and I turned on the radio, and you know, whatever the song had this the song that I danced to my father with uh, at my wedding uh, play, was playing, and I had just been thinking about him, and clearly that's that's a communication. We hear those types of stories quite a bit, I would say. Yes, we absolutely do. And, I, you know, I find that whenever I uh, turn on the computer and if I'm thinking of my, my parents or if I'm thinking of somebody, uh, a song will come on that, and an old song <laughs> would come on yeah. that's never played anymore uh, that, would, that would indicate that they're, they're, they're with me. So, so you know, you, you talk about this with such confidence and depth of knowledge. When did all this start coming to you? When were you able to sort this out with such certainty? Oh, gosh, it took decades. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you my age, but uh, <laughs> I'm quite old. <laughs> it doesn't happen overnight, does it? No. Um, so you mentioned 13 is when I saw my grandfather. That was the first the first. Uh, sign for me, right. but mm-hmm. you know, about for decades, I just ignored the ability that I had, and uh, and things would come to me every now and and then. And uh, in 2005 is really when I kind of hit the the paranormal wall because I had a puppy that passed. His name was Buzz, and we talked about Buzz before in a, a previous show. Yeah, 
Uh, Buzz awakened all of my abilities, and um, it, it was amazing how many things that he showed me uh, that, that pets can use to communicate with us from the other side, just as humans do. So did Buzz awaken those abilities after Buzz passed? He did, yeah. Right immediately after he passed, um, he showed me all kinds of different ways that he was communicating with me. Did you, when, when that first started happening to you, now you'd had some experiences prior to that, but you said you kind of, you know, you, you, you kind of, I don't know whether you explained them away or just didn't accept it fully. Uh, when you started, to, when Buzz started to come through the in, in a more uh, rapid and maybe uh, uh, frequent sense, did you... Mm start questioning yourself did you think what's going on here am i just am i am i losing my mind what's happening um well no i actually what i did is i wrote everything down Mm -hmm. and um i used to i used to keep a journal all the time and uh, i I would i look back on that and and i would discuss it with my mother my mother actually had the same abilities but she was afraid of them she wouldn't use them um but she would ask me every day what dead person I talked to. <laughs> <laughs> was your mom, my mom, and if this is too personal, you don't bother to answer, but my mom was Catholic, Italian Catholic. Was your mom an Italian yeah. Catholic? Oh, yes. She was, yep, an Italian Catholic. Did yeah. that have something to do with her fear of those abilities? Uh, no, actually, I think that the, her fear actually stemmed from when, after her mother died, her mother uh, spoke to her mm-hmm. very loudly in her right ear. She said she remembered hearing her mother call her name in her right ear. And um, she ran down the hall, and she, she said she, she ripped the T-shirt off my father. She was so scared. Really? <laughs> um, yeah. And so she was petrified of, of hearing from anybody from the other side. And, and as a result, if you're scared when you get a visit, spirits will not come back to let you know they're around because they, they don't want to scare you. Yeah. I have to ask you about that because, you know, again, I have this, this type of conversation on this program often. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the things that I'm torn about is that idea that maybe one day I'll, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll open my eyes and my mother will be standing at the end of the bed or next to, or, or both my mother and father, or whomever will be standing mm-hmm. there. And, that kind of frightens me. Not that it's not that there's not it's not that it's them, but just this idea of a, a, an apparition like that being at the end. But I shouldn't be afraid of that. I should be welcoming of that. And for some reason, I'm torn about it. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it, it would startle me. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, I just think that in the physical world, we're, we're certainly not expecting anybody to be standing over our beds <laughs> in, <laughs> in the middle of the night. Um, you know, I have enough problems seeing them when they're when I'm awake. Um, but um, no, I, I think you're perfectly reasonable to to not want that uh, to happen. That, that that's good to hear because I've been yeah. I, felt, I felt a little guilty about that. I I just don't know how I would react. I you know, and I think it is that startle factor that that's the initial reaction. Uh, it's kind of a prime uh, a primordial or whatever a primeval uh, reaction that you would have. That fight or flight thing kicks in until you can make sense of it, and then maybe then you start to think about it a little bit differently. Um, when you were a child and and your grandfather first appeared to you, how long had he been uh, passed? He had been uh, he had been dead about seven months. So, uh, 
and and I, I figured out as an adult, I figured out why exactly he showed up in the middle of July, and that's because he was born in July. His mm-hmm. birthday was in July, and and spirits tend to show up around birthdays, anniversaries, and holidays, just as they do when they're alive. Right. So, uh, you know, as a thirteen-year-old, I had no idea. Um, <laughs> I just ran out of the house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so yeah. you, you obviously, and, and you were young enough at that point that, you know, you had probably hadn't even made sense of his death yet. Yeah, I did not. Uh, his was actually the first wake I had ever gone to, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was quite traumatic. Those, those are traumatic times in, in childhood. And I remember my first one, it was actually my great grandmother. And um, yeah, it's, I mean, the images are still, you know, burned into my head. And I don't know if that's good or bad, but they're there, and uh, that that affects uh, children of that age, um, and it kind of sets the stage for what they start thinking about death from that point on. It does. Um, I will tell you, though, as an adult, as my abilities have um, kind of increased and enhanced, um, it, uh, going to wakes has um, two different, um, I guess, ways of... <laughs> two different ways of looking at things. Um, when my mother passed in 2013, I, I she was waked and, um, I, I went up to, you know, I went up to the casket to do the, the, the Catholic thing and kneel and, and my mother clearly and very loudly in my mind, in my head said to me, um, could you do me a favor and darken my eyebrows because they didn't do a good job. <laughs> and I, I, I I laughed out loud for a minute, and my husband was behind me. He goes, she's not talking to you, is she? I said, yeah, she wants me to darken her eyebrows, and I am not reaching in there to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the, I think the rest of the group would have said, what is he doing? <laughs> yeah, she was very meticulous about her appearance. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, uh, my, my younger brother used to joke that she would wear heels to go take her trash out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, and I understand perfectly. My mother was exactly the same way. And if, you know, I could hear my mother saying something very similar to me, if I had gotten any kind of message at the time, I could hear it being something like that for certain. I want to talk about your, your training and your education as a meteorologist. Um, you know, that is that, you know, it's a form of science. You're obviously very science minded. Do you ever have conflicts between the science part of your mind and this other part of your mind that, you know, a lot of the science community won't even accept this stuff is real. Sure. Yeah. There's a conflict between them, but, um, I really, uh, I really try and explain everything in, in the ways of energy and the way that energy behaves. So, uh, that really has helped clear a lot of the obstacles for me on how things happen. Um, so I, I, I get through it that way. When you started to develop these sensitivities after your um, you lost your pet, um, you mm-hmm. talk about the ability to be able to sketch out ghosts and get names and and, and more detailed information. How does it come to you? How, how do you, is, is it like a voice in your head or is it, is it more feeling oriented? Well, it's, it's kind of both. And, and I also get a picture in my head. Um, so as I've been developing these, these medium abilities, um, I, I get a, a lot of different feelings from an, either an earthbound ghost or a spirit. Now I call a spirit, 
the one that has crossed over into the light. Um, I make that distinction because um, they, they're the same, but they're different because one is stuck on the earth in a fixed location of its choosing. It's, that's a ghost, and the spirit has crossed over and can come anywhere, anytime, anywhere uh, in, around the world um, and follow you, even on vacation, in your car, whatever. Um, so they will convey a lot of things to me. They'll convey emotion. Um, they'll actually show me a picture of what they look like. And that's been really helpful when I go on paranormal investigations because I actually sketch them out. And there are quite a few of them in uh, in the Case Files of Inspired Ghost Tracking book um, that folks can see. And what's really cool about that um, is that we would always show the picture to the homeowner. And so far, I've been batting a 1,000. The homeowner has said that's exactly what the ghost looks like that I've seen in my house. Wow. Um that does, that picture that you see does it does it take on a form like uh, of of the person when they passed or is it a younger version is there any um, rhyme or reason to how that appears to you or could it be anything? Um, it's usually just before the person passed. Mm-hmm. Um, like there was a uh, there was a ghost that we encountered that was born in. Um, that died, I think, 1878, and his name was Lally. And he he died from a, a, a an accident where I think a metal metal or wood had fallen off a, a cart, like a horse-drawn cart, and struck him in the head. Um, and he showed me what he looked like before, you know, just before the accident. He was a young guy too. I think he was 29. Um, so I sketched him in my book, and he and he wore a certain kind of hat um, and so forth. Um, there was another guy who was a steel worker. He was uh, kind of a bigger man who was a balding. Um, and he showed me what he looked like, you know, before he died. Um, so it's, it's not, I don't see anything gruesome like on their deathbed, but sure. I, I, they show me what they look like when they're alive, um, when they were alive. Just like spirits, too. I mean, when, when spirits come to visit, they always, they actually usually project themselves as younger looking in their favorite time of life. Like I always see my dad when he looked 35 years old, mm-hmm. um, even though I don't remember what he looked like when he was 35 years old. <laughs> Some people think that, um, I don't know how to how to make this sound intelligent, but some people seem to think that when you see a manifestation of of a spirit, uh, it's mm-hmm. actually you in your mind. You're putting on them the physical appearance that you remember, or you want to remember, or you want to see. They're there in a more nebulous form, but it's a, it's a projection from your own memories that are determining how you're actually seeing them. Any any thoughts on that idea? Uh, I think it could be a little bit of both. It, I think it depends on the situation. Um, you know, like I said, I, I don't remember my dad at 35 years old, mm-hmm. only from a picture, mm-hmm. only from photographs. Um, but that's the way he's always shown up to me in dreams. Um, and that's the way he tells me that he was most comfortable in life. Let's talk, let's talk about your first book, because you wrote the, your first book, um, as, as a result of of your your puppy coming through to you after after passing and really mm-hmm. helping you uh, recognize how important these abilities were and how you could use them to uh, to not only help yourself but help other people. Yeah, that's that was really my motivation uh, to try and explain that 
um, what happens after after this life. That energy uh, energy transforms; it it just doesn't dissipate. It becomes another. Uh, it, it it moves into either spirit or or stays as an earthbound ghost. Um, and it also to give people hope and understanding as well, because there's more after the physical life. It really is. And, you know, although, you know, no, no one knows all of the answers. When I get on the other side, I'll come back and I'll give you the rest of the yes, answers. Please do, um, <laughs> just so we can have some definitive answers. I mean, you know, most of the folks that listen to the program, and I certainly have heard enough of this, even anecdotally, you can't deny there's something to this because it's just so many firsthand experiences and encounters that, um, you know, you have to, you cannot help but conclude that something's going on. It's just, it's just really defining exactly what it is that's going on is the, is the stickler. That's where we can't get that final piece of information to, to finish this puzzle. Yeah, absolutely. We, we'll just have to wait. But let's talk about pets for a second, because it, obviously that was an important uh, part in your realization of what you needed to do moving forward with your life. But a lot of people lose pets. I mean, it's obviously more common pets don't live as long, so you might lose three or four or five during the course of your life. Um, so you're mourning three or four or five times for the loss of some a part of your family. Uh, what do you say to people uh, who, who aren't convinced or, or maybe don't understand that, yeah, pets are part of the afterlife too. They have whatever that essence is within a living being that, uh, that makes that transition. Sure. Well, that's actually one of the, uh, one of the questions that I get that actually makes me the most crazy when people say to me, you know, animals don't have souls and, and that's absolutely ludicrous because what is a soul? So I, I often define a soul as, um, the energy within us coupled with memories, personality, and knowledge and every living thing. Every living thing has that energy, that, that soul. Um, and we all cross over in, into the energies of the cosmos or heaven or whatever you want to call the other side. So, again, there's the, the energy part, and then, and then there is what a soul is. So everything has a soul. Didn't you have some experiences while you were traveling that were kind of important in this story? I did. Um, so... I had experiences with uh, not only my own pets um, that followed me on vacation, but also my mother and father <laughs> you know, following me on vacation. Um, and uh, and I ran into a whole bunch of ghosts in uh, in England when I was on vacation. Um, but I will I will tell everybody that no matter where you go, <clears throat> spirits of your loved ones who cross, whether they're pet or person, they will always find you. Um, I, Two years ago, I went on vacation. To, it took a, a cruise down the um, the Rhine River in, in Europe. Yeah, in Germany. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was really amazing. We went it's from beautiful. Budapest all the way to uh, Passau, Germany, mm-hmm. and um, I I told my husband, I said, my, you know, my mother and father are here with me. I can sense them. They're enjoying the trip. And he said, okay, well, when is she going to give us a sign? <clears throat> well. We, we got off the uh, the cruise. We got on a bus. We went to Passau, Germany. On the way, in Germany, there was a huge sign, and, the, and it turns out it was a supermarket. The sign said Norma. That was my mother's name. Oh wow! 
and then I looked at my husband. I said, in, "In you know, in the words of that that comedian, here's your sign." <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, when you were in Europe and you were encountering ghosts, I think you remember. I think I remember talking to you about this last time you were on, and and there was. I'm trying to remember exactly what your what your uh, position was on this, but I think you were saying that you know what, I, I, I on vacation. I'm on vacation. I don't. I I just need some time to myself, you didn't yeah. want those messages coming through as often as they were at that time. Can you turn it off? Well, for the most part, I, I can turn it off. Um, you know, but when you're, when you're surrounded by a number of dead people who are vying for attention mm-hmm. to get some help, um, I, I always tell people it's like being in the supermarket and somebody, like two people behind you, keeps calling your name. And finally, you have to turn around and say, what in the world do you want? Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> we all that have... was, yeah, that was vacation. Yeah. <laughs> um, so more about Europe, though. With the spirits that were, that were trying to contact, were these family, were these people that you knew? Or was this just, hey, you're in the middle of, of you know, a, a place that has a far older history than the United States does. Therefore, there's just more activity there. Yeah, it, it's the latter. It was just it, just people, dead people from all centuries, were contacting me. Um, we were we went in an old tavern. I think it was the Old Thatch Tavern in Stratford upon Avon. And I thought I thought it was a waitress, a server who was carrying a basket of bread. <clears throat> and 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 I said to my husband, I said, "Can can you ask her for some bread?" And he said, "What are you talking about?" And I said, "That woman right there." That we, and I described her and. Uh, she he said look look back again and she was gone and <laughs> oh, she wow. was she was dead um she wasn't there that ever uh, seen those experiences ever send a little shiver down your spine i mean they you just you just did that to me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even though it's not meant to be scary or anything you know it's still you still get that little tingle yeah yeah it it does you know sometimes i have to realize i have to stop and really focus to to realize who's there and who's really not there. Tell us the story about kindred spirits. Tell us about this relationship that you had with a friend who passed and and how that that became so important that you decided you needed to write about that too. Okay, sure. This is uh this is an amazing story because um this is about the spirit of a man that I never met in life. He he died in 1996. And um the only reason why he connected with me is because he was my husband's late partner. Um, it turns out there was a lot of things that I had in common with this guy. Mm-hmm. We were born two days apart. Um, and there are a number of things. But he came through uh, really early when we were together. And the first time I saw him was uh, driving down the street um, with my husband, and I looked in the mirror, and I saw his face. And that freaked me out. Sure. Um, but he's been, he comes back all the time. Um, and as I mentioned in the beginning of the program, he's, he's the one that sends me coins all the time. And whenever I'm thinking of him, the coin is always dated 1996. It's always the year he passed. And I have to tell you, JB, I have never seen so many coins dated 1996 in my entire life. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he, he finds them. Wow. Um, 
after our after our dogs passed, I wanted confirmation that they were with him. And of course, we were walking our other dogs, and we found a penny, and it was dated nineteen ninety six. Right after I asked him, did he know? Did he know your dogs? No, no, no. Again, I I never knew him. He mm-hmm. he died in nineteen ninety six, and um, my my now husband and I we didn't meet until two thousand five. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So no, I had absolutely no physical knowledge of him whatsoever. Um, and what's what's interesting about this too is oh, he rescued us in in England by sending a lookalike, um, someone who would have lo- who looked exactly how Ed, Ed is his name, would have looked had Ed lived to be in his 50s. <clears throat> we were lost, and our GPS <clears throat> went dead in, in England, and this <clears throat> we were stuck, and we just stopped. We were in a, a wooded area. The sun was setting, and we couldn't get out. <clears throat> we didn't know where we were going. And this royal mail truck came up behind us, and I flagged him down. And the guy that got out, um, I explained to him what what you know we need help going to the back to the highway. And I was just standing there, kind of in shock. And I got back to the car, and I said, "Did you see that guy?" And he said, "He looks exactly like Ed would have looked had Ed lived to be in his fifties." Well, it's a good thing Ed did that because I've seen the way that movie ends, and it doesn't end well when you're lost <laughs> in a foreign country and you don't know how to get back to the highway. I've seen that movie a lot of times. It's never good. Um, yeah, you were teenagers. <laughs> yeah, can you? Can you? Do you mind telling me your husband's first name? Oh, Tom. Sorry. So did did um, when Ed came to you, started to coming come to you in in mm-hmm. uh, the beginning when you first started to to recognize who it was and were yeah. getting communication from ed uh was it because ed wanted to make sure that you were taking care of tom or was there was there a jealousy do you know what the motivation was at the time uh, uh yeah as a matter of fact we actually went to a went to a um a psychic and a tarot, uh, tarot reader and uh two of them and they 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 separated us into different rooms and they each did a reading and they both said the same thing without knowing who we were they didn't know if we were friends they, they certainly didn't suspect that we were dating each other. Um, and they said, there's a guy connected to the other guy in the room who has died. Um, and he wants to make sure that you two are together because you should be your soulmates. Oh, wow. And <clears throat> so <clears throat> Tom came out, I came out <clears throat> of the separate readings and we came together and we compared notes and they both said the same exact thing. Um, and it was just freaky, and and he he still he still has never gotten over it. But what's actually funny about this whole thing is that <clears throat> over fifteen years, Ed has shared things with me that, like behaviors that Tom had or things that they did together that Tom has never told me. And I would tell Tom, and he would say, "Will you stop talking to Ed, please? <laughs> I don't I don't like." That. Yeah, it's got to be uncomfortable for Tom every once in a while, I would think. Um, so, but you, this was such an important part of your life as this was happening, and this—I think you said—15 years of uh, of communication with Ed that you wrote a book about this. I did, um, and and the book Kindred Spirits is really—it's not only about him and his story about how I befriended him. I mean, I've really gotten to know him so very well. Um, it's it. 
it's really about all the different ways that he has communicated. And these ways are indicative of how spirits of your loved ones will communicate. So there's a lot of lessons in here um, for anybody who has lost a loved one. I'm just uh, kind of going through the list of, of books. What do you have? Uh, six, seven? How many books have you written? I have seven. I'm actually doing edits on my eighth book, which is Pets in the Afterlife 3, which is coming out next month. The Pets in the Afterlife 1, 2, and 3, basically. Um, the first one is the one you wrote after the experience with losing your pet, right? Yes. And what do the subsequent Pets in the Afterlife books uh, discuss? So the first one really has a lot of science in it. It has, um, and it has chapters by three mediums who have had experiences with their dogs and spirits. Uh, the science that it addresses um, is all the levels that dogs learn on, dogs and cats, and also a, a, an amazing neurological study uh, using an MRI to scan dogs' brains um, to prove that they have the same emotional response in their brains of love, showing love, that humans have. And Dr. Gregory Burns in Emory University is the one that did that study. And I think his book is How Dogs Love Us. So there is science proving that they have the same exact emotions as humans. So that's in the first one. Um, the second one is filled with <clears throat> half with messages that I've gotten from dogs and cats and spirit, horses and birds, too. Um, and the other half of the book is filled with stories from other people who had experiences on their own and shared them with me. Um, this, this idea that dogs in particular, and, uh, um, have, having had several dogs, um, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, even if I don't know the science behind it. Um, sure. but this idea that they actually love and they actually develop a, almost a human like relationship with, with their families is, is mm -hmm. quite marked. And, um, this, this is not only something that you've written about as it comes to dogs that have passed on, but you are actually involved in uh, rescue, aren't you? Don't you have a dachshund or involved in dachshund and Weimaraner rescue? I am. And I've been doing that for about 10 years. So we've been doing fosters and transports and home visits and, um, we've adopted, uh, we've had foster failures, <laughs> if you will. Um, and uh, and I have to tell you that as I was finishing Pets in the Afterlife 3 this fall, um, <clears throat> we lost two of our dogs, two of our teenagers. Oh. A doc, one of our dachshunds who was 16 and our Weimaraner who was one month shy of 16. Um, so this has been a really devastating year. I'm sorry, but, to um, I'm sorry to hear that, but I, I can't help but smile when I even see the word dachshund because they are, they are, you know, these mostly small dogs, but have the biggest personalities. They're really, really a unique breed. They are. They're very, they're very personable and uh, they're very stubborn, um, <laughs> but they can be fun. Um, and, and I will tell you that our, our, both Dolly and Franklin, who are the uh, Weimaraner and the Dachshund who passed, have given so many messages since they passed in May and October that they have big chapters in the next book. Oh, wow. And, um, and actually, this past Sunday, we were outside with our two dogs, our two remaining dogs, and I heard Franklin the Dachshund bark from our sun porch, mm. and it came from within the house. And and our other two dogs acknowledged it. Oh wow! So 
Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Um, we're talking tonight with Rob Gretro, uh, author of uh, many books about paranormal topics. We've been talking about that. He's also a medium and a paranormal investigator. We're going to talk about his newer book. Is the Case Files book the newest book, Rob? It, it is. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. Rob, you've got two websites listed here, your name, com, but you also have pets, PetSpirits.com. Uh, do they go to the same place or are these two different sites? They go to the same place. It's just because people find it hard to spell my last name. It is difficult to spell your last name, so that's a good move. <laughs> so it's either RobGutro.com or PetSpirits.com, and uh, there's a lot of great information there. So the, the, the Case Files book, set the stage for us here. What's this one about? Sure. So for, for the past 10 years, I have been a medium on the Inspired Ghost Tracking Team in Maryland. And um, what we do is, like every other paranormal team, is we we acknowledge uh, requests from people who believe that they have hauntings in their house. Um, so we do all kinds of questionnaires <clears throat> beforehand, and then... Uh, then we decide whether or not we're going to go in and investigate. And uh, so we've been to historic places. We, we've been to a lot of private residences. Um, and uh, all I can say is that you never know what you're going to get. And there's been some crazy, crazy things that we've encountered. Tell me about the team. Um, what type of person personnel do you have on? I mean, obviously, you're a psychic medium. Um do you use those skills in your investigations? And I think you do because you talked about sketching some of the uh, the images that you see. Um, but talk about your role in the group and what the other folks who do the investigating with you do. Sure. Well, I yeah, I am one of the the mediums. There there are three of us. There's myself, and there's a gentleman named Troy, and my actually my husband Tom has some medium abilities that he developed when we went to England. Um, so there are three of us. And um, so, and the others are, uh, uh, they're, they're senior and technical investigators. So they, they use all kinds of equipment that you've discussed many times on your show, like K2 meters and digital thermometers, uh, digital recorders, infrared cameras, all kinds of stuff. Typically what happens is the tech team goes in first. And then another day, the mediums go in, and no information is shared between the two groups. Um, after the mediums go in and we put everything together, then it, it all it all comes together in a report. And because I I like to write, I'm the guy that puts the reports together. So I was able to compile this book. <laughs> oh wow! So so yeah, so we, I, I, it's not often that a paranormal group will go in with three mediums. Um, how does that work? Do you, uh, and I don't know if you, if, if there's only, if there's a limited number, uh, you know, amount of energy and you're all drawing from the same energy. I don't know how that works, but is it, does it, does it, does it create any confusion or is, is it, is it, is the whole greater than the sum of the parts here? Um, it actually works in a great way for us because we're kind of in tune with each other. Mm -hmm. We actually wind up confirming, uh, things that the other get. Do you talk so, about it in real time as it's happening or do you do you do your thing do. and then all meet afterward and say this is what I found this is what I found? No, we talk about it in real time. Um so it, in there's one particular case called the double murder ghost investigation. Ooh, I like in, the sounds in, of this. Wow. Yeah, this was uh, probably our most gruesome and <clears throat> um unsettling case. Um 
In, in this particular instance, myself and Troy uh, went into the home, um, and uh, we we knew nothing about it. Typically, the case manager, the, the manager, Margaret Ehrlich, only gives us an address about 60 minutes before we're supposed to be somewhere. Okay. Um, and, you know, she does that because she wants to, you know, ensure that everybody just drives <laughs> and nobody so, has time to even look up what the house looks right. like. She doesn't want you to, to do, do research that's going to make you go in with preconceived notions or information that may skew your results. Absolutely. And, you know, neither Troy nor I want to do that anyway. So, um, so in, in this particular instance, a family was traumatized by a family with kids. Um, it was like a split-level rancher, and it's in the Baltimore area. And they were seeing shadow figures. They were having, um, like, blankets pulled off of them at night. Um, they were getting cold chills. Um, very, very unsettling things happening in the house. Um, and uh, as it turned out, Troy and I um, were were drawn to one particular room in the house in the basement. And it was there that we wound up talking <clears throat> to two ghosts, two earthbound ghosts. One, I was talking to an older woman who was in her 60s, and he was talking to a younger woman who was in her 30s. And we both came to the conclusion that they were killed in the home. Um, as, it, as it turned out later, police files <clears throat> would verify everything that we got. Oh, wow. Yeah, really crazy. But they were um, one. The older one was the the woman that owned the house. The younger one was the daughter-in-law who happened to be visiting when their um, the mother-in-law's um, tenant who lived downstairs went on a drug-infested oh, rampage geez. and brutally murdered the two of them wow. in the home. Um, and and they you didn't know it. You didn't know this going in. No, we knew nothing. Wow. Yeah. Um, we did get a picture. One of the investigators did get a picture um, when when Troy and I were in this particular room that we sent, that we were talking to these two dead, two dead women of an orb. And we, as we blew the orb up, now, <clears throat> um, we, you know, we don't take a lot of stock in orbs. Um, and for those listening <clears throat> that may not be familiar, but, Orbs are the most simple form a ghost or spirit can take. We usually find orbs have to have a design or color in them to be really considered an orb. Yeah, uh, design, color, or some type of uh, self-illumination. Yes. Yeah. Um, so in this particular case, right where we got the the feeling of the older woman, we someone one of the one of the guys took a picture, um, and we blew it up, and there was a face in the orb. Clearly, a woman's face, and it's in the book. Oh, neat! And everybody can, can you can really see the eyes, nose, lips, chin, everything. Oh, wow! Yeah, it's kind of creepy. It is. It is <laughs> kind of creepy, and it's an amazing story. Um, you also talk about a case called the burned ghost. Burned ghost. What's this one about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was another. That was another interesting case where um, the family had a couple of things going on. Um, they suspected that there was a, a dog that had, that had passed that was coming to visit, but they also had something darker going on. Um, so this was actually a case where I took 
uh, I took our Weimar honor, the one that just passed, mm-hmm. um, and she mimicked the exact route the the dog that had passed would take usually when the dog came in the house, going up to a certain room in the in, into the house and sitting. Um, and so we, as soon as I let her go and, and she, she did that, I knew exactly what she was doing. She was following the, the dog in spirit. Mm-hmm. So we were able to figure that out. But what's weird about this particular case is that <clears throat> the mother of the family was not home when we were investigating, when we started doing investigating. And we didn't find any dark entities. We didn't find anything, nothing negative. Well, the mother came home and that all changed. There was, uh, there seemed to be an attachment. A ghost had attached themselves to her. Um, uh, and uh, this is another case where Troy and I were there, and we started feeding off of each other. We started getting the same kind of sensations. Um, he started getting hot and flush. Um, and the ghost that was attached to this woman uh, showed me that she had gold earrings burned into her ears. She she was burned. She she was she showed me she was in the back of a car, and it exploded in flames. And uh, and as soon as I described all this to the the mother, um, the the woman, she said she was a nurse. She is a nurse, and she's a nurse in a burn unit. And she said she had a feeling she knew exactly who this was. So she called the hospital and she actually got the, the woman's name. Mm-hmm. Um, so we figured out who it was. And then we got a newspaper article later afterward. But but we had to cross this woman over, this this ghost over. Um, she, had, uh, she had attached herself to this nurse because uh, after she died in the hospital, um, she did not want to go to her family. She didn't have a good relationship with her family. She said the nurse was uh, the the only person in her life that gave her more love and care than anybody she's ever encountered. So she came home with the nurse. Came home with the nurse, but yet, you know, as you went into this particular case, you were looking for mm-hmm. something negative. Yes. Yeah. So uh, the, the the attachment was from a loving perspective or a loving motivation, yet the symptoms of it seem to be somewhat negative. Absolutely. Like I said, we never know what's going to happen. You know, we it's easy to assume when you go on these paranormal investigations that there's going to be a negative entity there. Because um, I have found that people tend to stay behind because they're afraid to cross over because they remember some horrible things that they did or bad things they did in life. So they're afraid to see what's on the other side. Um, but in this particular case, um, this this ghost um, stayed with this nurse out of love. Talk for a second about attachments. How did... How- how does that work? I mean, we've we've heard of um, you know negative entities attaching, mm-hmm. and I think you know that's probably a circumstance that uh, people uh, maybe not completely understand, but are more familiar with anyway. But what about something that's not a negative entity, as in the case you just described? How does that attachment work? Is it a, is it the ghost attaching to your soul, or is it a physical thing? How does it work? Do we have any idea? 
I, I, you know, I really don't have any idea. I just think it, it's, it, they, the ghosts, of course, can read energy. Mm-hmm. So they, they know when people are, are mediums. Um, so that's when they start speaking up. But they also know when people have good hearts and, uh, and maybe they can help them. And typically, I found that when you run into an earthbound ghost, they've been there quite a while, often, um, and they realize they're stuck in kind of a, an earthly prison of their choosing, and they realize it's not the place they need to be. So they're always looking for somebody to help them out. And uh, in this particular case, this woman, um, I, I think her name was Lashika, um, realized that this nurse since she was the only one that could help her out, helped her out in life, could likely help her out in, in death. Um, but, uh, you know, there are other instances where negative entities will occasionally attach. We've only encountered, I think, maybe two other attachments. And one was actually a weird case where uh, the the ghost earthbound ghost of a man in Central America attached himself to a piece of jewelry that he had made. Oh, wow. And, and that, yeah, and that case is in this book too. And, uh, and he came back with that jewelry into this house and he caused havoc. He caused havoc. And what's interesting about that case is both myself and Troy, um, we, we were coming to the house. We knew nothing about the house at all. Um, I kept getting the sense that there was a piece of jewelry in a jewelry box. We had to go look for a jewelry box and, and Troy was driving in his car and he also got the sense that there was a piece of jewelry that was the cause of a problem. And when we got there and we parked and got out of our cars, we both shared what we had and we were amazed to find out that we both honed in on the exact same thing as it turned out. Yeah, it was a a piece of jewelry from Central America. So when you recognize one of these circumstances, an attachment, whether it's to an item or to a person, or if Mm -hmm. it's it's even a non-attachment case, but you recognize that you need to help a a ghost or a spirit make that transition, how do you do that? Well, typically we have to... um, We have to do a little bit of convincing because, uh, you know, everybody maintains their personality in life. Um, If they're stubborn in life, they're going to be stubborn in death. If they're they're easygoing, they're going to be easygoing in death. Um, But we have to come to the point to the come to the ghost from a perspective of being a, a caregiver or a helper. We want to help you achieve comfort. You know, you can. I've I've always find that if you're if you try to be um, combative, you're not going to convince anybody of anything. You always have to come to somebody human mm-hmm. <laughs> from the helping perspective. You know, even if, like for instance, uh, Tom's uh, Tom's folks are are getting on in years and and they need to go into assisted living. When you, when you tell them that they can get all of these comforts in assisted living that they don't have, that they're struggling without, it makes it more appealing. So instead of saying, oh, you need to go here. Right. So that's what we do with ghosts. Um, and, and often what we do is we try to, we, we all have to join together and our emotional energies, open a portal to the other side. And then we often call on their loved ones in spirit to convince them to go across. Is, is the act of helping a ghost cross over, is that an act of, um, 
um, assistance for the living. In other words, you know, it's easy to understand why this attachment case, you would want that spirit to cross over because mm-hmm. then, then it would no longer be um, affecting the, the person who was still living. Um, or is it, are, are these cross attempts to help them cross over more of an assistance to the spirit themselves? And if that's the case, which I, I'm assuming you're going to say it's probably both, but <laughs> if yeah. that's the case, what are we helping them do? Uh, is, is it painful for them to be here? Is is there something disadvantageous about them being stuck here in some way? Sure, and yes, I will say that it is it is beneficial to both the living and and the dead who who have been stuck here. Um, what I've found over time is that ghosts realize that they have been stuck and they're isolated and they can't communicate with their loved ones in spirit. Um, are we talking about? Are we talking, Rob, are we talking? Are we, are we talking about their living loved ones or their deceased loved ones? Their, their fa- deceased loved ones. Okay. Yeah. Um, they. They. Well, they can't even talk to their living loved ones either. Um, if they were a spirit, they would have that ability. Um. So. So they. They. Uh, you know. That's why. I, Often on paranormal investigations that I've been on, we will get sound bites uh, uh, that say "help" or "help me." And when you think about what they want help with, it's it's help getting out of where they decided to stay, mm. um, so they can find peace. And how do they get stuck? Is it is it something they've done, or are they do they after passing not recognize they've passed and? And, and maybe miss some uh, an opportunity they need to take advantage. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that we know the answers to this. But what do we have any idea what, what makes them become stuck? Uh, well, not exactly, but we do. I do have some feelings of, about it, um, and I and and I've asked that same question to to ghosts, and they would say that they thought they could help their loved ones cope with their loss by staying behind. They, um, they, they had things that they didn't finish doing and they thought they could do them mm-hmm. from being a ghost. Um, and here's the one kicker that really surprised me. Some of the people were very devoted to their religion. And they told me that they, they had kind of a life review right after they died and they were so scared to cross over because they thought they were going to a bad place. Oh. So um, that was fascinating to me because, in my experience, there is no bad place. You know, um, it's it's all energy and light and positivity on the other side. Um, you know, I I really think that it's just my opinion, and even though I'm an kind of an ex-Catholic now, I, I think that hell was kind of made up to scare people to go to be good. But um, I think that my idea of hell is being trapped as an, an earthbound ghost for eternity. So so then, and I, I'm trying to figure out how to ask this question and have it make sound like it makes sense. Um, so regardless of what you do as, as a living human, after mm-hmm. death, we all go to the same place. Yes, yes, we all we all cross over. And, and to use the proverbial uh, Hitler, so Hitler's ghost went 
to the same place as Mother Teresa's ghost? Well, I, you know, I, I don't think that he crossed over. Um, you know, when he got that awakening, I think he's stuck here somewhere. Okay. So, so, so do you think then, um, in order to make that transition, you have to be of certain moral character or, or not? No, I think that you have to believe that you are good enough okay. to go. Um, again, I think it's a, I think it's a personal choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there are a lot more spirits on the other side than there are earthbound ghosts. Right. That's for sure. Now, if someone, as you said, um, you know, you found cases where someone thought they could accomplish something that they hadn't finished before they passed uh, by mm-hmm. staying here as a ghost. You know, then then you talk about having to help them transition. What happens? Is there a certain time frame they have to make the transition? If they don't do it by then, then they they lose their way. They lose the ability to know how to do that. Or is there a portal that? And I portal is a bad word, but you know what I'm talking about. Something that opens and closes that they can't make it back through without help. It seems to be the case, but uh, I you know we don't know the timeline how long uh, how long it takes. Um, uh, it, it it seems to me that it would linger a couple of days. Um, I mean, one of the first ghosts that I encountered when my abilities kind of woke up, if you will, was the victim of a car accident. Um, I was driving by and I saw uh, an Hispanic man standing in in the middle of a a road, and I knew that he had died in a car accident that morning, and. <laughs> When uh, when I I I called my husband later, and I said, "Was there a car accident at four thirty in the morning when you drove by this location?" He goes, "Yeah. How do you know? It was a white pickup truck." Like, oh, because the uh, the victim of the accident is still standing there. Um, and within a day, he was gone. So that told me that they have the ability at least a day or two. Right. To linger, but I've also found that people um, people stay for their own wakes and funerals. So to me, those services take the course of a week. I mean, my dad did. Yeah, I saw my dad crossing the light at at his uh, at his gravesite um, services, which were like three four four days after he passed. So I don't know the answer to the the, the time question, um, but for some reason they they lose the ability or they just don't know how to cross over. So I always send them to hospitals or funeral homes or other places where the light is opening. You mentioned, um, I can't remember which story it was, but you've talked about shadow figures. Uh, mm. Do you have a, an idea of what shadow figures are? Are they just an incomplete manifestation of what we've been talking about as ghosts or is it something different from your experience? Yeah, well, that's what I look at them as. You know, again, it all goes back to energy. So, um, I think of a shadow figure as a, uh, an entity that doesn't have enough energy to become visible. Totally, it's kind of like a light bulb that is. You, you give it a little bit of energy, and it's dim. You can see the outline of it, but if you turn all the you know all the power on, you can see it in full, fully visible. So that's the way I look at ghosts and spirits. Is that they're all about energy. Depends on how much energy they can draw from, from the physical energies like heat, light, water, and electricity, or emotional energies. Ghosts draw negative emotional like fear, anxiety, depression, anger. Spirits draw love, faith, and hope.
Have you ever been called upon by law enforcement to solve uh, a crime or something um, using your abilities? Uh, no, gosh, no. I am. <laughs> I, you know, I consider myself always uh, a me- medium in development or a, a medium rare, <laughs> if you will. Um, uh, uh, there are a lot, a lot of learned mediums who, who make, uh, who de- devote their entire lives to mediumship and helping others. Um, I kind of do it in my spare time because I'm a weather guy. Are you still, are you still a practicing meteorologist? I am. Oh, nice. Do you do that for yeah, it, a, 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 like a television station or something? No, uh, no. I, well, I used to work at the weather channel, but I can't say where I work now, but, oh, okay. um, but I will tell you that it is a La Nina year, which means that, um, up in New York, uh-huh. um, there will be, uh, uh, less precipitation this winter than normal. Oh, um, that didn't although, prove true yesterday. I'll tell you that. Yeah, we got 22, yeah. 24 inches yesterday here. Uh, not that that's completely unusual, but uh, what a way to usher in Christmas week. Exactly. It will. It will be uh, slightly warmer than normal though this winter. Does you know that's actually a great point. Um, is there a correlation between weather? And spirit activity. Some people think that electrical storms fuel that activity. Uh, some mm-hmm. people think rain and running water will fuel that activity. Have you noticed any of that? Uh, as a matter of fact, I have. Um, so w- within atmosphere, the atmosphere is actually a ball of energy. And um, again, because ghosts and spirits are, are energy, they draw on any kind of energy they can. And physical energies like 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 rain, like rainfall, um, like lightning, um, it, like movement of the air, all of those things are energy that, that spirits and ghosts can absorb. So there is really something to those old movies where they show yeah. lightning storms and ghostly activity. That's what I was just going to say. So all these years we've been just saying that's Hollywood, but in fact there's some real science behind all of that. Yeah, there is. Um, and did you know that a bolt of lightning is hotter than the surface of the sun. Really? Yeah. As you go out further from the surface of the sun, it gets hotter and hotter, but um, but a bolt of lightning is hotter than the surface of the sun. So that's a, that's lot, a lot of energy right A lot there. of energy for sure, yeah. Okay, so so the book um, uh, is available now. Is that right, Rob? Yes. Yeah, they're, they're all on uh, Amazon.com in paperback and ebook. Uh-huh. And you, you're working on... Um, the new book, uh, I think, what is it? Pets and Spirits Three, or Pets, Pets in the, the Afterlife, Afterlife Three? Three yeah. Yes, Pets yeah. Afterlife. This one is actually about dogs, only dogs, because there's so many signs by dogs, and uh, and actually, there's a special chapter in here from a licensed uh, psychologist about how to cope with grief, because a lot of people ask me for that. Grief as as a person who loses someone, or are you talking about pet grief? Yeah. Is there or maybe uh, both? Yeah, Great. both actually. Great. Good. Well, it's great work that you're doing, Rob, and I appreciate you coming on and sharing it with us. I love having you on the program. Um, did you say when Pets in the Afterlife 3 was going to be available? Not that we want to rush things. It's going to be uh, sometime in January. Uh, I just got the cover back this nice. week, um, and I, I'm almost done with the final edit. So, um, I, I should I should know the answer to this question, but do you do consultations or anything privately with with people? Um, I've been actually doing them uh, by email for about 10 years, which okay. is how I get all these stories. Um, and um, I will be putting something on my website come January 1st where they can just send, uh, you know, make a make an appointment or, uh, an, or send me an email um, 
usually I ask for a picture of their pet or mm-hmm. uh, and then the pet's name and any questions, and I just give them a really short reading. And the websites are robgutrow.com, or if you're worried about spelling Rob's name, it's petspirits.com. Anything else you'd like people to know about or follow? I just want to let them know that, uh, especially during this pandemic and this very difficult time about being alone, if you are alone, just know that you are not alone, because not only are your human loved ones in spirit with you, but so are your pets. Very comforting. Thanks so much for being here, Rob. Appreciate it. Thanks, JV. Happy holidays. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.